0: Welcome to Regenerative Medicine Today. This is John Murphy.
1: And I'm Leah Kaufman. In today's podcast, we'll meet Dr. Robert Eberhardt, a professor of engineering in surgery at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center.
0: Dr. Eberhardt and his colleagues have just patented a biodegradable coronary stent, a sort of meshwork cage that can be expanded to hold open a narrowed artery.
1: Dr. Eberhardt will tell us about this new stent and some of its advantages, including why it's sometimes important for such a device to be absorbed by the body.
0: Let's hear Leah's interview with Dr. Eberhart now.
1: We're joined today by Dr. Bob Eberhardt. He's a professor of engineering in surgery at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center at Dallas. Dr. Eberhardt has an interesting project he's going to tell us about. Tell us first about the problem that you were working to solve when you came up with this this new invention.
2: Well, the problem uh, was brought to us by our interventional cardiologists who were concerned that a, this was about 10 years ago, were concerned that a technique called balloon angioplasty, uh, in which coronary arteries are widened to allow more blood flow, sometimes led to a re-narrowing, of those arteries a process that is called stenosis and they wanted to avoid the re-narrowing so that symptoms such as chest pain and and the like would not uh, recur for the patients and in particular they wanted to use a new technique called gene therapy to see if genes could be directed to the wall of the blood vessel and help in the healing process so that the patient would end up with a better result faster One thing led to another, and we ended up uh, inventing what we call a biodegradable stent. And this biodegradable stent can be loaded with genes that can be delivered locally to the wall of the artery, or it can be loaded with drugs, which um, can help in the uh, healing of the wall and prevention of, uh re-stenosis or this uh, proliferative response or they can be loaded with other drugs and, and used in other parts of the body for example as cancer uh, treatments. You can load cancer drugs into the same devices and treat uh, difficult to manage uh, uh, cancers uh, uh, and there are numbers of those. Uh, we don't have time to go into them. So anyway um, we started doing this and Uh, to address the coronary uh, restenosis problem, and it took us 10 years, literally 10 years, to develop an engineered product that we felt confident would meet the needs of interventional cardiologists. The interventional cardiologists are the people who implant uh, these uh, devices and do marvelous things uh, uh, with uh, uh, sophisticated imaging techniques. Uh, I think many people know about that, so we don't need to go into it. So anyway, it took us about 10 years to develop what we consider uh, a product that might uh, make it to the clinical arena. And uh, I won't bother going into all the details of it, suffice to say that it has elements of polymer chemistry, of biochemistry to understand how you break down a biodegradable stent. It has mechanics, it has fluid mechanics, it has hematology, uh, it has cardiology, and, and many, many disciplines had to be brought to bear to Perfect. well, I shouldn't use the word perfect because it's still an experimental device, but to bring it to a state where it could be seriously considered for human implantation. And we're just about at that point now. We developed a design that is quite different than the uh, coronary stents that are seen um, on websites and in advertising from companies. And the original idea goes all the way back to the 16th century To a mathematician known as Pascal. And Pascal was one of the fathers, I I think it was the 17th century, excuse me. Pascal was one of the fathers of the calculus. Mm -hmm. And Pascal, or it might have been his father, who invented a a mathematical curve called a limousine. And the limousine is a French word that uh, means snail. And it's a loop within a loop. And we were fascinated by this and asked the question, could we design a stent based on loops within loops? Mm -hmm. I I hope the audience can understand what I'm saying here. And it turns out that you could. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but when when you manufactured prototypes of these devices, they turned out to be very strong and not take up very much space along the wall of the blood vessel and they could support the wall so that it would not collapse, would not create this uh, uh, narrowing or restenosis that we talked about. Mm-hmm. So we found this fascinating, and we, we did a large number of studies to try to perfect the uh, method. Well, another interesting thing about these uh, stents, these loop-within-loop stents, is that they're totally made of polymer. They're not metal. The audience may have heard about metal stents. Mm-hmm. And this is a totally polymeric stent, and the, the polymer can be loaded with drugs mm-hmm. or with genes. And in the case of drugs, you can load drugs throughout the entire body of the fibers that make up the stent so that as long as the stent is present, it's going to be delivering drugs to help in the healing process. Mm-hmm. And we consider this to be a, uh, a, a an important advantage since you never run out of drug, which has been one of the issues uh, concerning uh, the, 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 the uh, so-called drug-eluting metal stents that many people are familiar with. And it turns out that there are several drugs which can be loaded into the polymer, and, and one of them might be of, of interest to the audience. It's based on a drug called curcumin. Mm-hmm. Curcumin is, has been known to peoples of uh, Southeast Asia for centuries and centuries, and it's something that the old people of India, for example, have known that if they take it at night in warm milk, uh, they're, they, they feel better.
1: I, I want to interject here. I know something about this um, from doing some research about Alzheimer's, actually. Curcumin, so our listeners know, is what gives the spice turmeric its distinctive color. So it's, it's commonly ingested all the time in food as well by people of those cultures. So please go on, because this is well, fascinating. Well, that, that's a
2: very interesting comment, because this was brought to our attention by one of our colleagues who uh, works in neurology and is also Indian. Mm. And so we said, well, we can we can load these biodegradable fibers with curcumin, mm-hmm. and they could be uh, placed into the brain of an experimental animal, and it's as as I think you know, it's already been shown that curcumin breaks up the plaque, uh, the so-called beta amyloid protein plaque that scrambles the neurons, so they lose their effectiveness. Mm-hmm. And so that's another area mm-hmm. that might be of uh, interest uh, uh, going forward. But
1: well, and they know from doing epidemiological studies that the incidence of Alzheimer's in India is far lower. Than it is here in America, and the speculation is that indeed it has lots. Yeah, well, that's correct.
2: So we had a lot of things going for us, and and and, and so we asked the question: How good is a curcumin-loaded biodegradable stent in for improving the healing of the coronary arteries Mm -hmm. in man? Well, where we are is that we've done the control series, that is, the series in which we place. Biodegradable stents in the coronary arteries of pigs; these stents not containing the drug. That is, these are the the control group, and we find that uh, there's about a about 20 percent of the animals uh, have a an almost perfect response. That is, there's no narrowing of the artery at all because of the with the stent. The others. Uh, or so have some narrowing and the remainder, the 20%, they have quite a bit of narrowing. So that's our control group. And now we ask the question, what happens when we, instead of putting in the stent without curcumin, put it in with curcumin? And curcumin has several properties that we think are going to make it beneficial. It's known to uh, prevent inflammation. Uh, in addition to the beta amyloid plaque breakup in the case of Alzheimer's that you you just mentioned. We know that it prevents the aggregation of platelets, uh, which are cells in the blood that participate in thrombosis. Uh, It's known that uh, curcumin also inhibits the uh, growth and migration of what are called smooth muscle cells that will constrict a blood vessels and it has some other actions that appear that they might be beneficial as well so there's a lot going for curcumin Mm -hmm. and the question now is can a curcumin loaded biodegradable stent perform uh first of all better than an unloaded biodegradable stent and second of all better than a metal stent that may or may not have drugs attached via a polymer coating so we have a lot of work to do uh, but uh, we're pretty enthusiastic about it uh, up to date.
1: Tell me about the biodegradable notion. Obviously, a metal stent doesn't biodegrade. What's the advantage to a stent that goes away?
2: Well, two advantages. First of all, let's consider use in pediatric cases. This, this is, uh, these are babies who might have a narrowing of a major artery like the uh, aorta called coarctation. If you place a metal stent at a narrowed portion of the artery in a baby, yes, the artery will uh, widen out to its in- initial diameter, but the baby's going to grow. Mm-hmm. And the artery, instead of being, let's say, three to five millimeters at uh, close to birth, will end up being 15 to 20 millimeters as an adult. The metal stent won't grow, so you can't put it in. A biodegradable stent could be put in because it will dissolve away. It ends up as carbon dioxide and water, kind of like uh, resorbable sutures do, which um, many people are familiar with and have been used in surgery for 30 years. So that's an advantage in what we call staging procedures, where you may want to do one therapy or another therapy uh, in sequence. In regard to the coronary artery, uh, it's more of a hypothesis the, the 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 hypothetical uh, premise is that you don't need to have a device to prop up the artery permanently if you can have it in temporarily and then transfer the load back to the natural wall of the blood vessel, will you get better healing a more natural vessel? and avoid the permanent uh, partial obstruction caused by the metal stint and the change in the mechanical properties because they tend to stiffen the artery. So that's the premise. Whether it will work out in practice or not remains to be seen.
1: Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. And uh, this story of how you landed on curcumin as an opportunity it probably has many more pieces to it than we know right now. Um are there other groups using curcumin in the in cardiology or is there are groups using curcumin
2: in cancer? Mm-hmm. And as you noted, uh, uh, neurologists and uh, neurobiologists are becoming very interested in curcumin as an agent to resolve the plaques of Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to hear a lot more about this drug. And as, as sometimes happens, it's one, one you almost have to smile at thinking that the ancients in uh, at least a part of the world knew that this was good Maybe they weren't quite sure why it was good, but they sure knew that it was good, and so we're hoping to find out why.
1: It, that's so interesting. With all of the emphasis we put on evidence-based medicine and you know, we, we should get away from doing things that are based on anecdote and whatnot, there's some power to that, if not anecdote, at least cultural tradition. Um,
2: well, I'm a firm believer in evidence-based medicine, um, Uh, there are clearly times when you have to have a protocol that has been approved by an institutional review board where all of the uh, questions and aspects and insights that may be relevant are brought to bear and answered as honestly and as clearly as possible. Because if you don't, there's a higher chance that you'll you'll do it wrong. Mm -hmm. And if you do it wrong, the answers that you get... Are not going to be meaningful so maybe what
1: I mean is to apply to look at uh, cultural traditions like using turmeric which contains large amounts of curcumin and and applying that same um, the scientific method you know that we use to produce evidence-based medicine to find out you know what's the active ingredient
2: I think that uh, if a large population of people who had applied s- some uh, therapy or Potential cure over many centuries have a general, generally positive response to it. I think we have to look at that seriously.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting. Is there something we're just about out of time? Is there something you'd like to add before we wrap up?
2: Well, it's always a pleasure to come to Pittsburgh. I've I've uh, known the uh, director of the uh, Department of Bioengineering, Dr. Borovitz, for many many years. He's both a colleague and a close personal friend and it's it's always uh, a pleasure to me to see him and his colleagues and, and in particular to see how well Pittsburgh has done in exploiting this uh, resource that they have uh, in town here, this bioengineering resource. Good things are going to come from this, and I applaud everybody involved in this and uh, and wish them well in their further efforts to improve uh, the delivery of health care.
1: Thank you so much. You know, we Pittsburghers are very proud of our little hidden gem here, so I'm heartened to hear that. Well, thank you for joining us today.
0: It's been my pleasure. Okay. Thanks, Leah. For more information about Dr. Eberhardt, see the links on our site at regenerativemedicinetoday.com.
1: And don't forget to join us for our next podcast on the latest from the field of regenerative medicine coming to you two weeks from now.
0: If you have ideas for future podcasts or you'd just like to give us some feedback, please send us an email at mail at regenerativemedicinetoday.com. We can't reply to individual emails, but we do welcome your suggestions. And let me remind you that we are not physicians and cannot provide diagnoses or medical advice.
1: We do hope you'll stay subscribed to the RSS feed of this podcast, sponsored by the McGowan Institute for Regenerative Medicine, at www.regenerativemedicinetoday.com. Please join us again in a few weeks.